Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to our interview series, episode number 196, and we are thrilled to have Marlon Stewart, assistant men's basketball coach at Oregon State University on the podcast this week, reached out to Marlon via social media, and uh, you know it's just been good conversation back and forth, and we thought we were going to get this last night, but Coach Stewart was wrapping up a recruit. He was getting some things taken care of. Apparently, he felt like his full-time job was more important than this podcast. I'm just I'm just messing with you, Coach. So, But no, it sounds like they, it was a really good weekend for the Beavers and their program. So we will, we will uh, put off our stuff for 24 hours for the good of Coach Stewart and, and their program here. Uh, but before we get to Coach Stewart, uh, we want to thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at Cossack Chiro, that's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com, or to make an appointment, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, at a pit and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Big thing you can do, like, rate, review, give us five stars, write nice things about a pen and a napkin, because when people want to look up Coaching Basketball Podcasts, the more of that stuff that there's out there, the further we go up the ladder, we move up that little Google search bar thing, so be sure to do that. That would help out tremendously. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach Marlon Stewart, Oregon State University coach, excited to have you on the podcast tonight. Excited to be here. Hopefully, uh, I don't know if I'm going to move you up that Google deal at all, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to be on. I'm glad you have me. So, <laughs> how about how about uh, Bing or uh, or or something like that? I don't know. What were, Firefox Maybe. would that be another one? You know, <laughs> <It's> something. <yeah. laughs> see, see if we can see if we can go there. So try to move the needle. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, no, seriously, in all seriousness, excited to have you on here. You've got a great background. You've worked with some great people. We're going to dive into that here and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I am very, very confident you are my first guest from the state of Oregon. Uh, so that's that's a, that's a good deal as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, uh, Coach Stewart, uh, we'll, we'll get this started the way that we normally do. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your basketball journey, and how you ended up being uh, assistant coach at Oregon State there for Coach Tinkle. So I started out as a, well, I started out as a mediocre to below average basketball player uh-huh. in high school. Um, and then getting to college, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to play and I was at Washington State University. So uh, I got on as a manager. There's one of the assistants, Mike Burns. I was a ball boy for him at Highline Community College when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I got on there as a volunteer manager, kind of wiping up sweat, doing laundry and doing all that. Um, and Luckily, Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer Dick Bennett showed up to be the head coach, <laughs> um, and so I, you know, I got to basically be in the back of the room um, there and just be around. And uh, it was just a way to get back involved, whether it was rebounding for guys, just continuing to be around the game and be around people that love basketball. Um, and as time went on, I was lucky because it was around that time where we went from VHS tapes to DVDs to computers really quickly. Yep. And uh, part of the reason I was a mediocre basketball player is I was an avid video game player when I was younger. So. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, we are kindred spirits, my friend. We are kindred <laughs> yeah. spirits here. 
I was like one of the lucky guys that uh, the video games actually ended up paying off when he got older. So, yep. um, so I did uh, wind up being able to use computers pretty well. So it was a combination of loving, you know, basketball, loving computers that um, I was able to really be a volunteer video coordinator as a student. Um, you know, and Tony wound up wound up taking over for Dick. And it was just a chance to, and I didn't even realize how fortunate I was to just be in the back of the room as they were having all these conversations and just being able to soak up the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, um, I graduated and there was a video coordinator job at, at the University of California. Um, Travis DeCure, who was actually from Mercer Island, the same place I was from in Washington, mm-hmm. um, got a job there and, and a couple other things helped me get, get on at Cal as a video coordinator for Mike Montgomery. Um, then Tony Bennett, he'd gone out to Virginia. Um, so after about four years at Cal, I went out to Virginia and had a similar job with a lot longer title, but it was really just doing video and, and helping out with, um, some recruiting things and kind of get my feet wet there, learning from, um, from the assistants. And, um, from that point, then Travis, who was at Cal, got the head coaching job at Montana. Um, so then I went back to do ops. So I was smaller school it was nice i ended up getting my hands on a lot of different things so i went from doing just video to travel and budget and doing more with donors and um you know really got to touch a lot of different pieces of a program and that that was you know everybody wants to be at the biggest best but but sometimes being in the smaller conferences you just get way more experience and so that was really valuable and um thankful for travis there you're not so much in that silo at, at a yeah. at, like you're at in a big school oh you get, yeah and you get you know you get you get a chance to make mistakes you know just like the players i mean that was that was the best part about being a volunteer video coordinator it was like well we're not paying them so you know the more <laughs> I, I can kind of mess things up and keep going you can't fire uh, him you know so yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't get your you know yeah don't get your free cotton shorts or anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so um so that was a cool part of that was just you know it was a really good opportunity all the way up through that point to really be able to make mistakes um, and learn from them, you know, and be with, I mean, around incredible coaches, not just the head coaches, but the people that they were hiring, um, you know, along the way. I mean, now you look at Ron Sanchez was at Charlotte, Richie McKay was head coach at Liberty, mm-hmm. um, Jason Williford, uh, Travis ends up getting that job. Um, and so it was really, that, that part was really cool. And then Travis elevated me to be the assistant there at Montana, um, you know, and that was a tough transition because you go, I mean, shoot, I started as a manager in 2003, and I think that was 2016, so 13 years off the court, yeah. and really, I didn't know my I didn't know my voice on the court, Yeah, and yep. so you got all this experience, but it's, um, you know, I, I really, you know, we had a Division II um, assistant who, right, you know, right when he got done playing in college, he got into coaching at the Division II level, and he was younger than me, but he really was good at mentoring me and teaching me how to find my voice on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Cobb, uh, who's now he's out of Montana as the associate head coach. Uh, but then went from there, spent a year as an assistant at Hawaii, and then came back as the ops at Oregon State for Coach Tinkle here uh, for one year, and then was elevated to, to assistant coach. And I've been, I think it's been shoot, four years as assistant coach, so going on year six here overall. Awesome. Awesome. Uh Hawaii had to be a nice little stop along yeah. the way, you know? Yeah, I got a joke coach. Like, why'd you offer me? Can you even let me offer me a job two years later and let me enjoy, <laughs> enjoy Hawaii a little bit longer? Just so, for a no. little bit longer, please. So. Yeah. Oh, it, was, it was beautiful. And, you know, being with Coach Gannat, he was um, from the St. Mary's tree. 
Um, and he was really, I mean, he, I, I evolved as a coach on the court and saw the game differently after a year. Like, he really helped me see the game in a, in a, in a different way. I mean, he's so good in his preparation um, and scouting and self-scouting that it, uh, it really changed the way I watched the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so meticulous. So that was a really, you know, other than just the island and the beautiful weather and the food, from the basketball standpoint, um, I was really, I mean, I really grew there. So, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, you know, one of the things that really jumped out uh, to me, Marlon, about you is, is your, um, just, just your, not, not only your presence on the floor, but, but off the floor, uh, with, with all the things that you're involved with, uh, I'm just going to kind of read through this here, uh, president's commission on the status of black faculty and staff affairs, all in voting plan committee, NIL implementation committee, OSU diversity inclusion uh, working group steering committees and on and on and I mean you know you look like you you should be on Wall Street instead of stressing yourself out coaching basketball. Uh, you know, you know. Number one, how do you find the time to do all these things? But number two, uh, how has that helped you grown as a coach to get involved in so many important uh, committees and uh, initiatives to you know to to just you know. Get get a, a good idea of the entire university, both both at Oregon State, but also nationwide, and just making those connections there. Uh, well, you know, one, it's it was just being around good people because you know you end up getting in those committees because a lot of times you end up in conversations with people that ask. Because actually, ironically, the person that called me to be in the All In to vote was the same person that got me my first job as a manager, Mike Burns. Okay. Uh, you know, which is pretty cool. And it was, you know, if he hadn't asked, I probably wouldn't have even, you know, it's not like I wouldn't have thought to do it, but yeah, he, I probably wouldn't have done it if he hadn't asked, you know? And so that's the cool part about being around good people like that. And, um, you know, it was really during the pandemic when, you know, everywhere I was able to take a step back and realize I can do more. Mm-hmm. And I, I probably bit off more than I could chew it in some respects. Um, and so, you know, I think for that first year, probably 2020 and then 2021, it was easy to just really step in front and then be really, really involved. And then, um, I mean, I, I hate to make analogies to basketball, but I really do it with way, I do it way too often, <laughs> but really you become a role player really, yeah. you know? So some of these deals now, especially, and the nice thing is, is they know here on campus, what it's like during recruiting season. So there's certain times when I'm able to take more of um, a lead on things, but sometimes even if it's shoot, Hey, I just got to come and set up chairs for this event for the, you know, the commission. That's what I have to do. Yeah. You know, if I got to make a phone call here, a phone call there. Um, but it really is important as coaches, uh, the areas, I don't think we get involved on campus enough. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because having that pulse with what's going on on campus is so important, especially when you're asking players to come play for you and compete for you, and they're going to be out there all day when they're not with you. Um, you know, and, and we're all a team at the university, and right now with what's going on in the Pac-12, we feel that more than ever. You know, we've got to rally as a community and a university, and, and so being more than just a basketball coach here, um, you know, it really get, you get to know everyone. You really yeah. get your hands. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of 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 that, um, you know, your your job, your your probably your biggest job uh, is 
you know, really being out there with recruiting. And like, I was, I was very much joking. Let me be clear that I was very much joking in that little intro. Uh, but, uh, you know, recruiting is hard at any level. Um, and, and there's different, there's different parts of it and it's time consuming and it's, it can be frustrating. And, you know, I just coached small college ball for a few years, uh, as an assistant coach. So, uh, so I get it. Um, and, and most people do get it. Um, but you're in a unique situation. You're you're at a, a power five uh, school, and but you're not a blue blood, so to speak. You're, yeah. you're you got Gonzaga a couple hundred miles away. Uh, you're you're in the Pac-12. You're competing with UCLA and uh, you know USC and and Tommy Flynn at Arizona. You know in conference and and so forth and so on. But yeah, you guys have have made a couple of really nice runs, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. Uh, you know how. Uh, how does how do you find those players that fit your profile, that fit Corvallis, that fit Coach Tinkle's style? You know, and 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 how do you find those kids that are going to compete with you know some of those four and five stars that that UCLA is just going to be able to walk into the living room and just flash the card and say we're UCLA and and have a chance just because of name recognition or Arizona or whomever it may be. You know, how do you, how do you go about recruiting? Uh, in that situation, and, and what are some of the strategies that you guys have used to to compete with uh, some folks that maybe have a little bit more advantages than you? Uh, you know, I think anytime you you look at it, it's really understanding understanding like anything, understanding who you are, having that great sense of humility. Yep. Because wherever there's strengths, there's weaknesses, and that works both ways. Mm-hmm. In college basketball, that's the beauty of what we do is is the margins are so slim. Like even. You know, you go like when I was in the Big Sky, there was Pac West and CCA team. Those were Division two teams out west that were, you know, they were they were getting guys. Man, I wish that's pretty good. I wish we had it. You know, where those teams were, they could compete to compete in our league. You know, mm-hmm. the same goes for some of these leagues out west. Um, shoot, Amac East. The it's not like it's that big of a separation. And so, yep. really, if you can find guys that fit the fabric of who you are and the fabric of the university, and um, you know, Coach Tinkle's done a great job of getting a staff that we all kind of are cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. And so, in recruiting, we can really be ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like we have to go out and sell. Um, I mean, I guess technically we all. I mean, you've done the recruiting deal. I mean, technically it is say, but. When you can just present who you are passionately, genuinely, yeah, and then the hard part is, is when you you know you you like a guy so much, you try to convince yourself that he should be here, even when it's if, if it's the best thing for him and the best thing for you. Like you know, you figure out what you like and don't like about him. He figures out it's like a marriage, you know, for better or for worse, till death do you part. You really, if you can buy into that and really do the work to figure out if you if you belong with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to find the right guys and those guys are going to play passionately together, unified, and you can go beat anyone just like anything. Um, you know, just really like anybody anywhere. Yeah. Um, as you see it now in the transfer portal, those guys going, I saw a division three player that man, he could play, he could be good in our league this year. He's a Juco. It's, uh, and so really the margins aren't as big as people think. It's just finding the people that are going to fit together and compete together. Yep. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. 
Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available for you, to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. You, you've had a chance... And you mentioned a couple of those folks, the Bennetts, uh, Dick and Tony, but also, you know, Mike Montgomery, Coach Tinkles, a, a terrific coach who's, who's done a great job. Uh, let, let's just kind of go through kind of, you know, I don't want to say rapid fire, uh, Marlon, but, yep. you know, uh, let's just talk a little little bit about your mentors here and, and some of these folks that, that people recognize. Let's start Let's start with Coach Bennett, um, the, the elder, Dick, um, uh, as a manager. A little bit different perspective. You're you're not working, working for him. You're working for him, but not working, working yeah. for him. Uh, but I didn't what, know what I was doing that. One. <laughs> I still might not, but I definitely didn't. <laughs> what uh, What are some things you know that you're you're still using? You know, twenty years later, uh, from the elder coach Bennett, uh, that you're applying to your to your job now. First things I think of are passing and catching, or like blocking and tackling. Uh, you are what you repeatedly do. Um, you know, I think the biggest things that I saw from him were, you know, just cause he was, I mean, he is, he's one of the kindest men I've ever met, but still found a way to, to have that, just to bring that, that unity and that fire out of a group, you know? Um, and the, the thing was, he was able to just be himself uh-huh. and the guys would follow. And, and, and that was, you know, and maybe it wasn't necessarily just when I was with him, but by the time I had worked for about three or four different people, I was able to look back and say, you know what, like everybody, he, he was genuinely himself. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you know, maybe I didn't realize it right away, but the fact that he was who he was, the guys played so hard for him because of that. Yeah. Uh, could see his passion. And the guys took that on because he was just, he was him, you know, and he loved the guy. You could see he genuinely loved the players um, in the game. So yeah. that passing and catching is like, blocking and tackling is like, it's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's the one that sticks. You're going to remember that one on your deathbed? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Two yeah. Hands, two, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll remember my children's name on my deathbed, but I'll still be able to get unlimited guys on Contra and Nintendo. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so I, I, I hear you. So. Uh, what about a son, Tony? Um, with him, I'm trying to think there was so much, you know, he is so like, when, like to me, when you see everyone, he, he says so many things that are, you know, that you see on a tweet or on a billboard or a quick catchphrase. And the cool part about him was, you know, you'd have a practice where I'd be thinking, all right, we got to like, you know, kind of tear the guys apart and be ready to wreck it. Just. And he'd come in and say the most simple, profound thing, mm-hmm. um, and you and it motivated you in just a different way. Like he really is, um, he has an incredible way of mentoring, teaching, and it's and it's not always basketball, but it always kind of relates through basketball and through Christ, and and it and it it really it's what you see is what you get. Like he, he, he like his father, he is who he is. He's, mm-hmm. 
because they were able to kind of take the same systems, but they had the personalities of, you know, Tony had his personality and Dick had his. Um, but he's just so level-headed and so fiery at the same time. Uh, How do you do it that? It really was impressive. What's that? How do you do that? Um, I think the one thing I figured out is I told my dad one time, you know, I'd love to say that I'm going to wind up, I'd love to emulate Tony and be like, but he is him. Uh-huh. You know, it's all the, probably the experiences he's had through his life led to, you know, and, and I think obviously as, you know, his mom and dad are great people and, um, and it's just who he is all the time. It's, you know, you start talking about the pillars, like he lives those every minute. And so it's not like he's faking it or putting something on a t-shirt on the wall and saying, doing something different. Um, and so really the players follow those. And that's why you see those teams buy into that stuff is because it's not fake. Um, and that's, you know, as I started to kind of put my own pillars together, I tried to figure out what's my own. I have to come up with something different. And then I realized that Dick and Tony had such an impact on me in college when I was just sitting there wiping up sweat. I was just around it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that those were in the vows of my wedding because it's really, it's kind of how I have lived. Now, a couple of them are a little different now, but um, but it's really who he is, you know, every, all the time. And so I don't know that you could emulate it, but the thing I learned is you got to figure out who you are first before you can really start teaching and getting these kids to follow you. Yeah. You, you almost kind of absorbed it by osmosis in a way. Yeah, I, I wish I could have absorbed more, uh, but it was, uh, I mean, shoot, he had a life of it, you know, he's, uh, I mean, his dad was such an incredible teacher and incredible person for him, as I would imagine, as a player and, and at a home, mm-hmm. that uh, I was lucky to get some, some second person removed residue off that as a manager and as a video guy, mm-hmm. uh, so. Yeah, um, one of one of the really underrated coaches of the of the the 90s and the 2000s that kind of that 20 year stretch and you get a chance to work for him at at cal was uh mike montgomery who i i always really admired his his teams especially at, at stanford uh you know and they had a real nice eight nine year run there uh, a final four and and then you know he came back from the nba but you know i i really think he's kind of underappreciated in the yes. game and, and so what are some things from from coach montgomery that you've taken um, the way he organized and planned was so different from anything I'd ever seen. You know, I mean, he really was, um, he was meticulous in, in just mapping things out and understanding the players on his team and everything had multiple options. Like he saw stuff in a different way. Um, and then he, um, you know, when we were at Cal, he had his blueprint in the way he was do, doing things and he'd lay it out. But then over time, you know, he was so smart in figuring out what we had and how to mold his system to what they were, like who we had and how to, how to get the right guys in the right places. Um, it was really, really, really impressive. Um, and so that was the first, you know, especially like offensively, it was just a, a new way of seeing the game that, you know, it was different than my high school coach and different than um, the Bennett's. And so that really opened up that piece to me, but he's, um, I mean, offensively, he's from that Montana tree, so everything kind of goes back to Judd Heathcote and Brandenburg and him, Morrill yeah. and Brian Taylor, and they all have their own own spin on it, um, you know. But his his ability to really just get organized and um, and see things and, and put guys in the right places to be successful, um, 
you know, and then really do it with a perspective on life that, um, that allows you to enjoy friends and family and people. Yeah. I really appreciated that mm-hmm. working for them. Yep. Um, and then, and then last, but certainly not least your, your current boss, coach Tinkle. Yep. Um, so he's kind of from the same tree, the yeah. Montana tree. Um, and the cool part about being here is, you know, I think for me seeing, I, I was obviously the man to man defense was something that was really ingrained. And like, I, it, it made sense to me. I'm like, a I like I like math better than writing, so I like I like man to man things fit where they're supposed to, yep. uh, you know. And, and so I got out of my comfort zone, really learning some of these zones. Mm-hmm. And for me being here from a basketball standpoint, um, that was that was the coolest part for me being here. So it's really pushed me mentally that way to to understand them and how to go back and forth between things and really keep control of the game by keeping them off balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a life perspective, you know, the, the big reason I came here was like a chance to be at the highest level working for someone who's a great father, great husband and great basketball coach, you know, and that's why I went from being an assistant to being an ops guy because it was an opportunity to grow within a program at the highest level and doing it for someone, you know, you don't always get that opportunity, you know, to, and I, you know, I got a chance to get to know him from the being out in Montana, um, and man, when I got here, it was a, well, you know, you just never know. When I got here every day. It was, it was a home run. Yeah. That was, I mean, he's, he is, it's been really cool to see how you can be a great family member, like be a great teammate at home and be a great teammate at, at the office. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that part's been really, really, really cool. And, um, really great teammate in the community. I mean, he, he is so good to everyone. And there's, I'm sure there's things that I don't even know that he's doing. Um, just for, for people. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just a great person. So, uh, that's part of the reason I think you see, I've done more with other groups and communities and kind of got out of my comfort zone from doing more than just basketball while I've been here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys have, uh, you know, every program has their stuff and everybody's stuff is different from everybody else's stuff. Uh, but you, uh, and, and your, your school all together have, have really had a unique perspective on a lot of different things here these last few months uh, with the the breakup of the Pac-12 and a lot of people going in a lot of different directions. Uh, you know, obviously that's way above your pay grade, and I and I get that, Coach. Uh, but but it, it has to be uh, you know uh, uncertainty. And, and and what's going to happen here? And, and we all face that to a degree. Uh, but you're recruiting kids. You're taking a look. Where are we going to schedule? Who's going to? Where are we going to be at with our next conference? And, and just a lot of stuff. And a lot of it, even from your perspective, a lot of that is driven by, of course, football. And so yeah. you don't even, you know, your program doesn't even probably have as much say in it as as others. You have more say than other programs at your school, I'm sure. But uh, with all that being said, you know how are how are you and and Coach Tinkle and the rest of the staff. Uh, you know, what's kind of it been like going through it and, and how have you guys tried to, to manage all of this stuff with, with your, with your players, with your managers, with everybody associated with your program? Well, the nice part is, is, uh, you know, we don't know everything, but what we do know is that, you know, not just from a program or an athletic department or a university or a town, but really all the way up through the state, like we're, we're competing, we're going to compete at the highest level. Yep. You know, and that's what we're pursuing, and that's we've got a lot of good things in our favor in that regard, um, at least today. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, and so that part allows us to have a lot of confidence. You know, early when there was a lot of stuff going in different directions, it was hard to know. Yeah. Uh, now that the dust is settled and people have said where they're going, um, you know, we hold a lot of really good cards in our hand. And so I personally in recruiting and, and kind of with our guys, we're able to just be where our two feet are because yeah. we're confident in what's going to be coming in the future, whether it's, you know, however long it is, we're in a really good spot yeah. and could actually come out of this thing in a better spot than before or the same or worse. But, yeah. uh, you know, sitting here right now, it's, it's easy to confidently look at people and say, look, here's why we're in a really good position. Um, and so with that, you can kind of just move forward, not business as usual, because you've got to talk about it, but, um, it's an easier conversation than it was say two months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with our players, you know, it's great to have watched football do what they're doing. They're out there crushing it. Yeah. Uh, and really it's just like we, we can control what's happening right now. And that's being able to go out and have a great practice tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Have a great practice the next day, just like every year, and, and um, you know, get ready to go kick some butt. Yep. Uh, and so it's um, as crazy as it seems from day to day. It's really not that different, mm-hmm. um, and it's taking a little. Now you get to talk about that instead of nil. So actually, it's, it's nice to have a different <laughs> conversation. Got <laughs> a new thing to talk about. So oh, there you go. Hey, let's let's actually move on from this. Ah, that's that's a good perspective. Pool. Yeah. 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 Um, you guys, uh, a lot of people look at, at programs, they look at coaches and, and they think the great lessons come from the highest highs. And, and a couple of years ago, uh, you, you guys were right there. I mean, on the brink of the final four, kind of the dream of, of every coach at your level. Uh, and, and you know, Kelvin Sampson and those, those really tough Houston Cougars knocked you off and, and the the elite eight. Sorry to pull at the scab here a little bit, Coach. Oh, but. you're good. I actually saw a clip from it in the film we showed for the recruit. It hurts. hurts I know. <laughs> I, I got a game from shoot my third year coach. It's been a, probably 25 years. I still have never watched it. It's the toughest loss of my really? career. Yeah. So. Those were, so yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so you, you're on the brink of of being on the biggest sp- stage of college basketball at the Final Four, um, and then a year later. You, you turn around and you lose 28 games, um, which which had to be obviously a very, very difficult thing to, to go through. Um, and, and so the, the reason why I ask this question is not to, like I said, not to not to pick at your scabs or anything, but there had yeah. to be a, a lot of, of a lot of learning, a lot of lessons, a lot of soul searching and and, and a lot of just a lot of different things that, that you guys probably went through as a staff there. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about the big highs. Uh, but I think sometimes the best lessons come out of the, the toughest situations. And, and so what are some things that, that you personally, and maybe perhaps that you, you know, the coaching staff and the team, what did you learn in that, in that 12 month span as, as you went through, uh, kind of that elation to, you know, the big peak to the big Valley? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, well, I think the, I mean, shoot, I would say, so I think, if you count the, the wiping up sweat years, it's been like 20 years. And, uh, well, shoot, if you, if you take the last 17, I think there's been maybe two or three losing seasons, mm-hmm. seven tournaments, I think a couple sweet 16s at elite eight. It's been some really great years. Yep. That three win season was probably the most valuable year of my career. Talk to us. Uh, Tell us. 
<laughs> the biggest, the coolest part was how we stuck together, you know, um, as a staff mm-hmm. and continued to, to show up every day and figure out how we could help the players. And, you know, if we're looking internally at myself, you know, I, I, I obviously could have done a much better job of helping those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing that you realize, you know, there's a lot of different lessons. The biggest one is you realize why you do things the way you do them all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the things you don't notice of like, you know, a guy's one minute late or, you know, if you have a rule where guys keep their shirts tucked in, they gain, you know, not letting it slide, touching a line, um, in recruiting, not seducing yourself into thinking talent over culture. Um, or maybe, you know, I think he can, you know, and he can, and he do three or four, you know, I think he might be able to come our way and all of a sudden you get three or four and, um, and you're doing a disservice to the players because you're not putting them in a position where they're, they've got guys that are going to lift them up. Mm -hmm. And so, um, really for me, one of the biggest things was just to remember that you're building a team. You know, it's not a it's not a video game where you're just trying to get a bunch of like the highest rated guys on there. Yeah, is um, you know, it's not just the basketball. These guys have to help each other grow off the court, um, and they've got to be they've got to be be able to unify with each other and and have a reason to serve each other and open up to each other and have compassion for each other. Otherwise, you're going to get divided, and it's not going to work. Um, and so, you know, for me, one of the biggest things was just just how how to put a team together and what's important in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, and I just I think I let myself my guard down a little bit with myself. Okay. Uh, instead of just being firm in, in certain things that are really important to me about people um, and how they fit together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, no, that was I mean that year, you know, you learn a lot. You really do. Um, and even just how to help people in the process. And, and, you know, there was times during the year where I, I think I let the mental fatigue get to me um, of trying to keep fighting. And I, and I was disappointed. But now, I, you know, now I know you can fight harder than that mm-hmm. uh, in those in those scenarios. So but, you know, I think we recognized some things early. And to our credit, we didn't we didn't panic. We didn't cut corners as a group. Um, when we started, you know, two of the guys that are great leaders on our team today, we signed in September before that season even started. Mm-hmm. And so I think we recognized some things and and we're real with ourselves and said, hey, this is on us. Let's let's build this thing. Let's lay a foundation and build it again, mm-hmm. um, which we've had to do here a few times, a couple of times before I got here. And, yep. Um, but we've laid a great foundation. This group is awesome to go on the gym with every day yeah i uh one of the quotes that i used to hang in my classroom uh and it was from scott pioli who was he was part of the belichick building the building the early patriots and his quote his quote was uh you're not or you're building a team not acquiring talent and and i that was you know that's always been something that's been a quote that's always stuck with me is you know, a lot of people point at, well, here's your best five players, put them out there. And, and it's like, no, we, we, it's, it's the pieces have to fit together a certain way. And, and this has got to complement that and who's going to do this. And that, you know, so it's, it's so much more intricate than what a lot of people on the outside deem. And we as coaches know how important that process is of making sure all the pieces p- fit together not only on the floor, but off the floor as well. And, and it, and it sounds like that's where, that's where you guys were. Oh, and it's such a responsibility. Cause I mean, 
I mean, shoot, if, if I was in college and the Bennett's hadn't put together such a good group of guys that respected the manager so much, what if I didn't keep being a manager? Yeah. You know, you no, think no. about all the that affects just, just having a group that really cares about each other and works together and, you know, and that can lift other guys up in certain areas. And, and it affects so many people. And it's like, you know, that's why that's the part that hurts the most is like, did I, you know, did it, did it hurt someone's development as a person? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's like, I won't let that happen again. I will not. Yeah. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to apennantanapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our Appendant and Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every Appendant and Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of Appendant and Napkin. Appennantanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Coach, at this time, uh, we're going to switch gears here. Uh, we have the John Wooden quote of the day here. So uh, what I do, Marlon, is I, I get a uh, quote from Wooden's book, A Lifetime of Experiences here. And yep. uh, I pick a quote out, and we read it, and we talk about it a little bit, and, and we roll from there. So how does that right. sound? That sounds great. All right. So, uh, from page 93 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, the John Wooden quote of the day is, Some people believe that sports build character. I believe that sports reveal character. I see too many players who are characters today. I like a player, I like a player with character, like Bill Walton or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. What do you got for us? If that, if that was true then, man, man there's some characters now. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's not, and it's not, uh, kids aren't changing, but the culture of, of, of the world has changed and it's made it a lot harder for them to, to, to navigate it. Uh, they have so much more information. Um, there's so much more thrown at them and there's so much more pressure to be something. Mm-hmm that everyone wants you to be that it's really hard to have that, that, the character that he's talking about, especially at a young age. I mean, there's so much that you have to live up to. Um, but no, that's everything. And it really does reveal like when things get hard, when things get really difficult, um, are you going to search for that easy way out? Are you going to find, you know, I think even, even guys that have a lot of, uh, explanations for things, excuse those really become excuses. And, um, you know, how many people are really going to unify and try to serve the person next to them when it gets difficult? Um, but yeah, no, that's, um, that's a really hard challenge for, for younger people today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, shoot, he, he, he wrote that before I was playing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I feel for the, the young people now coming up because, man, yeah. it is it's a challenge. They're, they're having to fight against it every second, every day from so many angles. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've, I've had that conversation with, with my players, with, with students in certain situations. You know, they make poor decisions and, uh, yeah. you, you talk and, and, and you, and you say, and, and I, I know, I know this. I mean, I grew up in the eighties. Um, yep. so I'm, I'm dating myself there a little bit, but let's say I've, 
I'm entering my fifth decade next week. How about okay. that? So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, not far. I still was a Tecmo Super Bowl-ish. <laughs> I, was, yeah, I was right after Atari. So. <laughs> okay, yep. So I, I, I hesitate. I, I can't imagine growing up today uh, as opposed to when I grew up, and it's not that far. It's not that far removed, and you know there is. Uh, and I coach girls, so in some ways that's even harder because yeah. that you have the certain expectations. You see the stuff on Instagram, and and some of the just just uh, I don't have Instagram, you know, but I, you hear about it, or the, just the social pressures: look a certain way, talk a certain way, have a certain attitude, and all this other stuff. And yet, we're sitting here trying to tell kids: you need to be a part of a team, you need to be selfless, you need to give up part of yourself. And man, that, that is two worlds to be. It's it's very difficult to be caught in between those two worlds today. And it's here to stay, so we got to figure out a way to manage it. But yeah. it's it's tough on the kids. Yeah, because it's. I mean, I always think about it. If, if like, if my coach said, "Hey, go, go run over there and wipe, grab some of the dust from underneath the uh, the bleachers and rub it on your hands, and then wipe your face, and then run down and back, and then all right, let's get," I would have just done it. I would have done whatever he said, mm-hmm. you know, just because it's what coach said. Yeah, you know, and and for them, it's like there's just there's so many different people saying. You know why? You know there's so many different things that they're hearing that they're 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 right to question stuff and yeah. think. But it's, if, instead of getting that one message from coach, they're getting about a hundred messages. Yeah. And yeah. So it's uh, it's hard. Yeah. Well, and 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 you're talking about those messages, and there's a lot of different influences, and a lot of people think that those those issues leave once they leave high school and they go play at the collegiate level. Uh, whether it's for you or, or a, a, an NAIA school or a JUCO, wherever it may be. Uh, but I was talking with a with a Division One coach uh, just a few days ago, and you know we were saying uh, you know the thing that we have a difficult time fighting sometimes as high school coaches is the dinner table, but sometimes the things that you guys at the collegiate level the tough thing you have to fight is FaceTime because. They get done with practice. If it's a bad practice, they're frustrated. It's the first thing they do. They get on. They want to talk to somebody, and you know it. It just gets going that way, and 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 so uh, it's it's something, and 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 we've got to work on it, and we've got to be patient with kids, but at the same time, we have to be firm, but we've got to be yeah. fair, and and it's it's a it's a real tough dynamic to to continue to develop that character, and and I'm I'm sure it's the same thing for you, Marlon. Your kids want to have good character. I'm sure they do, and I'm sure that's the type of kids you recruit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you nailed it with the word fair. Um, you really have to be fair, and you have to like, and then even self reflect, and um, and then you know, for us, I think it's important to recruit the families as well to get to know. You yeah. know, we always want to know when they have that bad practice and they hop on Facetime. You know, not that they're going to say, "Hey, well, just listen to your coach," but that they're going to give them a fair response, yeah, um, and ask the right questions to at least get the the young man on our team to to think about it. Yeah, you know, it's not like, "Hey, they just need to do what we say." Um, I'm wrong a lot, and I'm going to be. I mean, shoot, we went three and twenty eight. I was wrong about something, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But you know, we also went to that elite eight. I was, you know, I'd yep. be right about some things, you know. And so, like, yeah, I'm going to be right. I'm going to be wrong. The biggest thing is that we're all working together, and that you know, I think you can choose. Like, you can just choose to love someone and care about someone and have compassion about someone, but you have to earn trust. 
and that's not just the players earning ours. You know, like, like we, we can choose to love them every day and this and that, but like we we have to earn each other's trust. And I think that's so huge, and that's a way bigger part of the pie than it was even five years ago, six years ago, mm-hmm. seven years ago. Is you really got to work to earn that trust, and then because um, yeah, I mean it's it's natural to trust who you're getting on Facetime with. Yep, exactly. Uh, so, and it's harder to earn that trust just because there's so many different factors involved. Yep. Well, Marlon, let's move into your stuff, your philosophies. Um, you can bet that a guy that has spent as much time with Tony Bennett and Dick Bennett that we are going to talk some half-court defense. We're going to talk some pack line here. I'm assuming that's what you wanted to, to throw in there. You said you know, you made reference to Coach Tinkle, and he'll change it up a little bit more with some zone stuff and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, at, at this point, Coach Stewart, um, what I do is is I just turn it over to to the guest. I kind of let him cook here and, and talk about the topic, and, and when I interrupt, uh, and I probably will, uh, I'll try to do it as politely as possible with, with some follow-up questions here. Uh, but but tell us about your half-court defensive philosophy, some of the things that you've done, some of the things that you've learned, and and, and uh, what do you guys like to do? So uh, the, the floor is yours, my friend. Well, this is, it would be kind of a blend of, uh, of a couple different things that I've liked from coaches along the way. Okay. Uh, you know, I always thought that I'd never really run any zones, but being here, you know, I love the way we run our one through one so I would sprinkle that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think part of it, too, is, um, you know, Coach Ganat at Hawaii, he really, he really empowered us to have a lot of say in what was going on. So we really were, as assistant coaches, you know, a little closer to football decision makers. And what I realized was it's always nice in a huddle as an assistant. You're like, I think we should do this. And you do something else. Ah, I told coach we should have done that. <laughs> but when you have to actually make a decision, and I was just worrying about one side of the ball, just defense, not rebounding, not offense, not out of bounds. Like defense out of bounds, I was. But you're really just the defensive side of the ball. And in the first three games, there was two games that were, you know, under two minutes at the free throw line for a one and one with like a two or three point game where it's like, well, if this happens, this happens, or this happens, do we need to sub this person, do this, do that? How does it affect the offense? And my mind was going to explode. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, you know, I probably, yeah, probably need to apologize to every head coach I've ever met in my life because, you know, like 40% of what they deal with, maybe 20%, I probably don't even know what I don't know yet. Um, and so what it really made me realize was how much I needed to simplify my own personal philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I looked for the things that really made sense to me that I knew I would know how to adjust within a basketball game that I could give a good answer for when someone had a question and see something on the fly. Or if I'm, you know, if I'm looking here and something happened there, I'd have a good idea of what happened um, just because it made sense to me. Um, and that was the pack. I mean, it, it, it just... Um, the philosophy of really taking away penetration and, and, you know, it's hard mm-hmm. and finding, you know, as long as you, it's college and you get to recruit and find the right people, you know, I think the core values of who I am as a person align with that defense as, as crazy as that may sound, I think that's important. Um, and so taking away the paint, everything that's relied on serving the next person and doing what your job is with passion and keeping that guy in front of you. Um, and 
and it reduces rotation, so your defensive rebounding is better. Um, I think the biggest challenge with it now is just how much better as a as a game. I think we're shooting the basketball. Yep. Everyone's the ball deeper. And so that, you know, it adjusts your closeouts a little bit. Um, but um, just conceptually that, and then, you know, I think a lot of the ball screen defensive stuff and the language from um, from Hawaii, I really liked, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it aligns with the pack. Um, and it may do a little more switching and stuff now. I think people are doing that and players are getting pretty good at it, but... Um, just the, the language, I think, was very clean and crisp, which I liked. Uh, my dad coaches high school football, and so I'm like, uh, language is important. You know, I think like, football coaches are a little more language, like this is what we call it. This is our, you know, it's like you can write a dictionary for each program. Yep. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, what are, what are, some, what are some things, uh, what are some drills that you like to develop your defense uh, what are some things that you know either you've done as as a defensive coordinator or you've seen any of the folks that you've worked for some of the drills that you like when it when it just comes to 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 developing and really cementing those fundamental whatever your th- philosophy may be playing it straight up pushing baseline sideline pushing middle gap up the line online whatever it may be what are some what are two three four of of the the drills that you have seen or that you've used that you really believe are are, are foundational drills that, that every coach should be doing uh, to, to help build whatever their defensive philosophy may be? I think, I think two things that are important, you know, and it really can, we've done different, I've done it with different types of defenses, and so you just adjust the drill slightly, is, is drills to work on vision and drills to work on closeouts. Because mm-hmm. um, if you're in vision, if you have the right vision and position, it gives you a chance to close out. And if you have the right technique to close out, however however it works for your program, you can keep the ball where it needs to be kept. And now that helps all the other stuff because it's great to be good at rotating and talking and communicating and doing all that, but it's even better if you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, it's, you know, having your weak side baseline rotation is great, but if you can cut that guy off on the baseline and he can recover back to his, it's great. So, you know, one drill that I like is, is just really two-on-two, two, keeping guys on either side of the court. And whether you're in a closed stance and you're working on denial or you're kind of an open stance or and you're working on kind of gap positioning, is just having guys move. It's tedious, but moving around the court and working on seeing both at the same time for an extended period of time and working on that attention span and that stance um, is one. Um, from a closeout standpoint, um, Starting three guys with a foot in the half circle and, you know, player offense on, on point wing and wing. And you kind of throw a lofty pass out to one and you play for 12 seconds. And those guys are doing the best job that they can, depending on what your rules are, to keep the ball out of the paint. So even if you're, you know, keeping it on a side and your baseline rotation, he's really working on slide and keeping that ball on that side and doing his job himself so those guys don't have to overhelp and getting a stop with a contest and, and really making it hard to where they're, you know, Hey, you either going to get two stops in a row or they're going to get two scores in a row and you're out mm-hmm. and making it competitive where it's like, this is, this is going to be very difficult. If, if you're searching for the easy way out, call off the search because we, we got to get the me, us three have to get this done. Um, those drills really raise the level because, um, especially when you start mixing up positions where you get a, you know, you get a big guarding a guard and he's going to need a little more help 
or you start to get littles on bigs or guys that can slide where they know they're not going to need to help on penetration. So, you know, we use the term clear. So, you know, if he's making an attacking penetrating dribble, we're going to have to probably come over and help. But if he's going east to west and he's not making a threatening dribble, it's really fake help to come over and over help. You know, it's one of those deals where, hey, yeah, you know, but I mean, he's not really that mentally engaged. You should be clearing back to yours and putting yourself in position to have a great closeout. Um, and so the amount of critical thinking on defense, I think, is often overlooked. Is you've got to be so engaged with the handler and so engaged in your gaps to make great gap decisions and clear when you need to clear, help when you need to help, and fight to keep that vision the entire time. And so that three-on-three, I think it really puts you in a challenging position to do that. Um, And you you got to be able to do your job and serve your teammates at the same time. Um, And then one we do here that's good to take away penetration – that's, um, you know, we took from the, from the bandits was the change drill. Um, it's just four on four shell. And then when you yell change, they put the ball down. Offense becomes defense. And you can't guard the same person that guards you. So really the top and the wings kind of flip-flop. And offense can't shoot till they touch the paint. And so you really work on over-helping in the gaps. You know, no one can cut, so they kind of have to stay in there, you know, kind of slot, slot, corner, corner. But it really challenges you to really close off those gaps, not open the gate on your on your slides and stand a, stand a dribbler up. Um, offense <laughs> works on not over dribbling, and so you you boom as soon as they cut you off, you got to kick it, and those guys got to fly out, close out, close off those gaps. And if they don't touch the paint, they can't shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that has been a great drill. That, those those two drills were great for on our elite eight run. We put those in. Uh, right around, I think, after the Arizona game, after they put it on us by about 35 or 40. And um, the guys really bought into them. And I think it, I think it helped, helped them get tougher defensively, but also helped them, you know, figure out how to serve each other and, and do their own job, do the hard things well. Mm-hmm. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. How long, how, or, uh, how long, how often, uh, whatever you want to say, uh, how much are you guys working on closeouts in practice? Um, you know, I think we, we sprinkle it into a lot of different drills. You know, it's been different with different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some teams we've done it or in different ways we've done it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've specifically worked on closeouts three, four times a week. You know, other teams, it's once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we anywhere from kind of two to four, depending on the time of the year and um, what our focus is and kind of what we need to get into. Um, so we do, we, you know, we've got a lot of offensive stuff and a lot of defensive stuff, so we have a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd say probably usually about two, maybe three times a week. Gotcha. Gotcha. We slide a lot. We usually we'll kind of go back and forth between working on slides, working on closeouts as our kind of our 
um, meat and potatoes of the defense. Gotcha. Um, let's talk a little transition D. So, you, you know, uh, God forbid at some point the Beavers missed a shot and, and you got to get back here. Uh, what, what are you guys doing in your transition defense philosophy? Um, so we've, we've fluctuated a little bit in terms of the numbers. Um, we, we use the terms crash and dash. Are you a crash? Are you a crash guy or a dash guy? Um, and usually we'll, it'll either be, you know, three to two, one way or the other, three crashers, two dashers, two crashers, three dashers. It kind of varies and depends a little bit who's on the court or kind of where we're at as a team. Um, you know, we like to be aggressive. So, I mean, at times, I guess we, we've gone to four crashers, one dasher. Uh, when we really want to just get after it and get after the, the offensive glass. But the one thing you can't do is nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a, a, I guess the Sloan, is it the Sloan study, Sloan deal? They do oh, oh the, yeah, the, the Sloan yeah. the Sloan conference. Analytics yeah. conference. Yeah. yeah, there was one maybe in like 2011 or 12 that did a study on the NBA uh, which is probably outdated now that everyone's shooting it from deeper. But um, once I learn something, it's it's what I learned forever. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, where I, that's where I stand. Yeah. <laughs> and what they really found out was, you know, it's best to crash two or three and have two or three get back. But the biggest thing you can't do is nothing. Like yeah. you can't have one person not do anything. And then they had the amount of second chance points and transition points given up and this whole, you know, people who are smarter than me had, um, had a formula and really that's what it came down to, which makes sense. And, uh, what we found out is really the timing of like, as they're releasing the shot, it's just that mental engagement of not, you know, it's like some guys want to be on the court all game. It's like, you're out there, but you're only playing like 25 minutes when you're out there. Cause you're taking three seconds off here, five seconds off there. Yeah. Let someone else go in and get, Play your, you play till you're done. Because um, that right when that shots when they're getting that shooting motion, you've got to be getting back. Mm-hmm. So you you can you can still if it gets tipped out, you can come back up and get it. And as he's in that shooting motion, it's not just running to the like crashing isn't just going into someone's back. Yeah, it's making one to two people block you off. Because even if you don't get it, if if two guys are crashing and it takes four people to block them off, they're not getting anything in transition. Correct. And so your activity on the glass is really our, the beginning of our transition defense. And that doesn't mean running underneath the hoop. That means making them work. Um, even if they tip it out of bounds, now they're playing against a set defense. And so that's a really hard thing to get guys to understand. Um, it's really, it's hard for guys to buy into of like, you know, it's really hard. It's a lot, it's a lot of hitting and moving and, it's hard to really see the fruits of your labor in that. But once guys get it, man, it's, um, it's deflating. Mm-hmm. when you don't get a transition. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on transition defense that you want to talk about, Coach? Um, you know, not necessarily. I mean, not, not really. To me, that's the biggest. Just, you know, I think a lot of people talk about taking away, stop the ball, get the rim, load to it. But, you know, I don't know that there's enough talk about that first, you know, three to four seconds and how important they are. Yeah. Um, of the crashing and dashing. And that's like, if, if there's something that could get better with basketball in general, you know, I think that's, I'd love to see that. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your favorite transition defense drill? Man. I'm just throwing it right at you. That is a good question. So I like to run a set, like the offense runs a set and you've got, um, a coach about free throw line extended. Okay. And, when the shot goes up, 
he decides when you know when shot goes up, they're crashing and dashing. He decides when he when he hits the point guard. So really, what it is is there's no offensive rebound, but it's just an accelerated. They're coming at you faster. Gotcha. And so I, I like things that look more realistic. It's really hard to um, emulate, especially with like bubbles and things, realistic rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the idea of having a coach that can dictate how fast he wants the ball coming at the offense. Um, you know, I would say that is really because you get to work on offense and defense there. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's let's wrap up here with a with a little bit of culture talk and and you you had mentioned a lot of different things. You know, Coach Tinkle, uh, you know, drove kind of has pushed you out of your comfort zone and got you involved in some areas. The Bennetts, Coach Montgomery, a lot of different people. Uh, you know, what are the keys to 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 great cultures? Uh, what have you seen done? What are some things that you have implemented in your role as an assistant coach in various stops? Just let's, let's wrap this up here with, you know, and everybody talks about it, but you, I mean, man, the older I get, the, the more seasoned and experienced I get, we don't use the old word here on, <laughs> on a pen and a napkin, seasoned and experienced. Uh, I spend a lot more time worrying about that almost than I do, X's and O's and, and running this play or that play. I, I'm, I'm much more in tune with that. And so I, I'm curious to hear kind of some of your perspectives, coach, as to uh, culture building, building a culture, doing things the right way, getting everybody, uh, again, kind of being selfless for one another. And we've kind of sprinkled it in throughout the podcast here, but let, let's bring it home on this topic. I think it starts with people, you know, and, and that's because, um, because to me, I think, I wanted to define culture and actually it was great. The Tim and Brian kite had their podcast and it was to me, it was a, it was a definition of culture that really stuck with me and hit home. And it was to me really accurate. Um, I'm a very, I'm a really literal person. And so I just want to like be able to put words to things and, and the culture is really what you, what you do. Like there's a culture of the podcast and the phone, like our conversation right now, there's a culture between what we have going on. If someone else were to get, you know, we three way and add someone else to this. The culture changes, and so like there's the, the culture is not a stagnant thing. It's always evolving, and so the people that you have in it, you know, when you go through the peaks and the valleys and how they're going to react to stuff um, and what's going to be going on moment to moment, um, really defines your culture. And so like you know, you you put stuff on walls and things like that, to, and t-shirts to help with culture. But that's not what your culture is. Um, And so there's a lot of things you can do to help it. But I think the first thing you have to realize is, is one, especially, you know, as leaders in the program, you got to figure out who you are. Um, And you can't fake it. Uh Because that's, you have to be able to talk and have what you say align with what you do so that people follow and you can help mold them into what you want your culture to be. Um, and that was the beauty of being, you know, working for Dick and then Tony as a manager is um, like, I was just it's like a ball of clay that was ready to be molded. And I was ready to jump in line with the program. And there were these guys that were, you know, you kind of saw this program changing and people coming together and you started to believe in the basketball piece. Well, what I didn't realize was all the while they were walking around you know, they, they were doing things with servanthood, passion, humility, unity, and thankfulness. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were doing everything that way, um, on and off the court, every time you were around them. And so 
Um, you know, you do leadership trainings. You know, I think Eric Reveno's done an unbelievable job here of, of really defining what a teammate is and how to be a good teammate in the community, teammate in, in the um, within our program, in the community, back home with your family. Um, so he's done some really cool things on teaching guys how to be a great teammate. Um, and they've got some stuff coming that they don't know about that he's got that's ready. He's, he's really good that way. Um, you know, and I think he does a good job of molding in what – who coach Tinkle is and how his program is. And, and cause that's really what it has to be is um, it has to start with who you guys are as a program. Uh, cause otherwise people see right through it. They won't follow. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's probably a long winded answer with not a specific answer, but, um, but it's to me, that's everything. Nothing, nothing else works without that. If you don't know who you are um, and you don't live it. Well, yeah, I, I think that's the key thing. Mar- you know, Marlon, you said you, you got to live it. You know, you, you can you can talk the talk, but who really walks the walk? And I know there uh, there have been people in my life that you know I I, w- I have told my wife I wish I was more like blank. Now I am who I am, and and I know I'm overall a, a, a good person, and most of the things that I do I do it the right way and so forth. But but there's 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 certain and, and usually. It's it's something that we feel like we're lacking in our own personality that wish yep. we wish that we were more like that other person. But then I think sometimes we also forget that there are things about ourselves that people look at us and they say, man, I wish I was more like Coach Stewart in this way and blah, 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 or, or you know, whatever it may be. And I think sometimes we, we have to keep that balance with our kids as we build our culture. Yes, you yep. should be looking you should be looking for things outside yourself to improve yourself, but don't forget about all the good things that we have here already. And let's not take that for granted either. No, it's, that is, that was never more accurate than when I went, I read Matthew McConaughey's book. All right. I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to be an outlaw. I'm like this, I'm that. I'm, Wait a minute. No, I'm not Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm far from it. That guy's, way, that guy's way more awesome. But I'd love to be like, you know, some of those things and some of the aspects of it. But, uh, but you're right. It's, 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 uh, you know, one thing that I've done for myself is I've actually started meditating. Uh, one to kind of clear my head and, but it, it's, um, it's really helped me self-reflect and, and get into a different space mentally kind of early and late in the day um, to really help reflect on some of those things and kind of be real with myself and try to appreciate some things about myself instead of always, you know, I've been lucky to work for some people where I end up saying, I wish I could be more like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but yeah, you're right. So trying to figure out the things with yourself. Um, cause if I ever am lucky enough to have my own program, I need to know those things. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's got to embody what it is. So that's uh, good. Well, coach, I think that you are well on your way that at some point, uh, it, it's not going to be recruiting coordinator or assistant coach. I think there's going to be an HC in front of your name at some point here. And, and I'm looking forward to following your journey, uh, because, you know, I, I think you got a chance to do some great things, buddy. So I, uh, I I wish you nothing but the best, and it's been a great hour or so here talking hoops with you tonight. Appreciate it. No, we we will be in South Dakota, so if you if you're around, oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's I. Oh yeah. Um, I think we have a game that day. What what day do you guys play Nebraska? I tell you what, let's talk about that off air because we don't want to yeah, bore absolutely. people with that because we could we could go yeah. down a rabbit hole there. So absolutely. All right, let's let's do that. Uh, Marlon Stewart, 
assistant uh, men's basketball coach at Oregon State University. Uh, coach, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, if there's, uh, uh, how can folks find out more about you? Uh, if, if they'd like to know about you, know more about you, know more about uh, the Beaver program. Sure, they can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my email address, marlin.stewart at oregonstate.edu. Um, Twitter's probably better. I don't keep the app on my phone because I don't like to push notifications. I try to I try to be where my feet are and stay off my phone a lot. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, shoot, feel free to reach out, text me, uh, email me. And, um, and, yeah, no, mention you heard me out here. And, yeah, I'll let you know. I'll get, get back to you. Terrific. Terrific stuff. Uh, Coach Stewart, like I said, hope you've enjoyed your time on a pen and a napkin. I have. I absolutely have. I appreciate you having me. Awesome, awesome. If you can hold the line here for a second, let's let's get this Oregon Nebraska Oregon State Nebraska game figured out here. That's uh that's number one on my priority here. So I'm gonna wrap things up. Uh Marlon Stewart, uh assistant men's basketball coach at Oregon State University. Great discussion tonight. So many good things uh that have come out of this. I wanna thank him for his time. I know especially at this time of year, uh we're all starting to get busy and, and I know he's knee deep in practice and recruiting. So again, thank him so much for his time. Uh again, we wanna thank our founding sponsor, Cosac Chiropractic. Uh uh, if you are in need of any services from Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi, give him a holler. Just went to see him, I think it was last week sometime, and feeling better already. So um, follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, review this. Again, give us five stars, write up a nice review, say good things. We move up the rankings when that stuff happens. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Go check out a penandanapkin.com. It's a pretty good coaching website. I know that because I built it myself, and we've got some really good things on there for you. Thousands of pages of coaches' notes on there. Go check it out. So, coaches, hope you've enjoyed this uh, conversation tonight. Really good stuff here. As always, coaches, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.